Welcome back, Husky fans, uh, to another episode of Dogman Radio. This time, uh, we are coming at you, well, at least one of us is coming at you from New Orleans, and that's Kim Grinolds. He joins me today. I'm Scott Eklund, and we're going to be just kind of setting the scene for you guys about what's going on down there. Uh, he's going to give us kind of an itinerary, as well as uh, we've got some stuff to talk about on the recruiting trail and the portal trail and all those kind of things. And we're going to do that for you here over the next uh, 15, 20, 25 minutes, whatever it is. Kim, uh, tell us about your flight uh, last night, Christmas Day night. Uh, you flew out and uh, arrived in New Orleans this morning. Yeah, red eye. I hate red eyes. I don't do it very often, but uh as many of you know, trying to get to New Orleans, sometimes you just got to take what you can get. And uh, the red eye was all I could get. A little bit of purple on the plane, not a lot. Seems like uh, there was more people just coming in for New Year's. The guy I was talking to next to on the plane, he was just coming in for a couple of days uh, on his birthday. And then the flight attendant told us we couldn't talk. And I just kind of looked at her and go, what? Yeah, and I go, yeah, we're talking, so go away. So that was kind of interesting. Never been told to shut up on a flight before. I mean, it's not like we were talking loud or anything. So. Oh, you mean was, besides me and Chris? Oh, yeah. Oh, I, okay. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, but getting into New Orleans, got a couple hours sleep, went out to um, – I'm staying at the Sheraton, which is um, the media hotel, and a lot of activities will be going on here. It's right on Canal Street. I'm, I haven't been out really very much. I went around the corner to – for those familiar with New Orleans, I went to the Ruby Slipper for uh, a quick bite this morning before doing this podcast. So um, – my hotel room overlook, I think it's a canal. There's a bridge out there. There's tugboats out there. There's a paddle wheel boat. And uh, I think it's Magazine Street is right outside. I'm on Canal Street. So that'll give you an idea of where I'm at. I'm also looking out at uh, the Harris Casino and the bridge. So okay. that's, where, that's where I'm out down here. So I'm sure activity's going to start picking up here shortly. Yeah, um, you know, I, everybody saw, I mean, it sounds like there's going to be a pretty large contingent of Husky fans. Now, obviously, I would expect a much larger contingent of Texas Longhorn fans, but I've heard anywhere from 30 to 35,000 Husky fans are expected. It, it, have you heard an exact number at, at all that they're expecting? <clears throat> no, no. I mean, you know, we're, we're kind of in a little bit of a bubble where we pay more attention to Husky fans than we do Texas fans, but I think... Um, you know, the proximity to uh, Texas is a lot closer than Seattle. And then again, you know, I've got friends flying into Mobile, Mobile, Alabama, yeah. Shreveport, um, go, going into Baton Rouge, going into uh, Houston and driving over. So uh, getting over again, getting to New Orleans hasn't been easy. So we'll see. I think if the flights would have been more available, there would be a lot more. But it'll be interesting to hear some of the stories about how people are getting here and how they're getting back because it ain't easy <laughs> yeah exactly well i and kim just uh kind of this is obviously uh just one little story but um i have a friend who's a husky fan and has family in nashville they're actually going to fly into nashville stay there until thursday um and then head out uh they actually flew out on christmas eve they arrived there they spent uh christmas with their family and they're flying out on or i'm sorry they're driving down on thursday from nashville 
to New Orleans. So um, that's what they decided to do. So, I mean, I think people are getting very creative in what they're going to do. But, uh, Kim, one, one of the things we wanted to do was kind of let people know what the itinerary was for the next, what, what is it, five, six days, whatever it is, yeah. until uh, the Sugar Bowl kicks off. And, and you kind of have that laid out. Something big is going on actually later today. Yeah, um, 8.30 um, time here. So that'll be, what, 6.30 Seattle time. <clears throat> the team arrives at the uh, Louis Armstrong International Airports, and we will have availability. It says we'll have uh, availability to coach DeBoer and a couple of players. So um, that'll happen tonight. So I will be there, and we'll get all over that, and we'll we'll see. And, you know, a lot of the times you do these things, and it's just kind of when you get there, you kind of figure things out. So when we get there, we'll figure it out. But it sounds like we'll have availability to coach DeBoer and a couple of players tonight. Uh, tomorrow afternoon, Texas comes in. They come in at three o'clock uh, our time tomorrow, which is one o'clock in Seattle. So same thing with them. We'll have uh, a little bit of availability with Coach Sark and a couple of players on uh to, on Wednesday. Uh, Thursday, we really kick off the media events. Uh, early in the morning, we'll have uh, Texas uh, defensive coordinator Pete Kwiatkowski available. And then also we'll have five, up to five defensive players available at about 945. So we'll get about 15 minutes with the coordinator and then we'll have some time with the players. And then they practice tomorrow at two o'clock over at the Superdome. Uh, in the afternoon at two o'clock, the Washington offensive coordinator, uh, Ryan Grubb, will be uh, made available to us. And then we will have um, probably four to five players available for us tomorrow afternoon. And then Friday, we kick off again. Washington practices at the um, at the Superdome. It drove by last night on the way in, by the way. It was all lit up. Texas offensive players are available. And um, we've got a parade tomorrow at 1130. So second line parade starting at Pat O'Brien. So we'll have, I'll have to figure out what that's about. Defensive players available on uh, Friday and uh, we'll have some of those Saturday media day at the at uh, the dome. So uh, ESPN talent will be available for us to talk to as well. And typically these types of things, the entire team is there so we can talk to anybody. Guess guess what player I'm going to target and try to talk to. Take one guess, Scott. Uh are you talking any of the players like Texas or Washington? It sounds like we're going to, we can talk to anybody who's there and the entire team is supposed to be there. What Michael what? Penix? No. Talk to Michael Dylan Johnson. No. Talk to Dylan all the time. Okay. Um, I don't know. Give me, give me who tell me. Zach Durfee. Oh yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> If I'm he's see, available, yeah, we'll see. We'll see if he really exists or if he's just, you know, the Loch Ness. A rumor. Yeah, yeah. If, if, he, if he's real or he's a rumor. And then, uh, you know, well, uh, uh, Saturday night, guess what? Guess what's Saturday night, Scott? Uh, I think it's a big steak dinner, isn't it? Yeah, it's his media party on Bourbon Street. Oh, oh. yeah. <laughs> yeah, that should be interesting, especially if, if Softy's down there by that time. Yeah, he'll be. He's coming in Friday. Uh, yeah. This Sunday, we have uh, both head coaches and uh, early in the morning. So we'll get Coach Sark and we'll get, um, you know, uh, Coach DeBoer and then uh, the Sugar Bowl New Year's Eve parade on Sunday night. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Monday's game time. Gates open at two o'clock our time. So I'll be there bright and early and uh, they got a pregame meal. They got a postgame meal and. 
I got a three o'clock flight out on Tuesday, heading back to Seattle. So I'll get in Tuesday night. I'll be in Seattle Wednesday. It looks like I'll be heading out Thursday, heading to Houston to the national championship game. So we'll see how things go. But that's kind of the setup and the itinerary for what's going on down here. So needless to say, it's going to be a busy week. Yeah, it does sound like it's going to be a very busy week for you down there, Kim. Um, let's take a break real quick. And when we come back, we'll um, talk a little bit about uh, recruiting. Not a lot, but a little bit about recruiting, the transfer portal and um, some other stuff. Uh, so when we get back, we'll update you on that. Stay tuned. And we're back. Thanks for uh, tuning in to this episode of Dog Band Radio. I'm Scott Eklund. I'm with Kim Grinolds, who is down in the Big Easy, New Orleans, uh, taking in uh, the sights and sounds of Sugar Bowl week. And uh, first time Washington's ever been in the Sugar Bowl, so it's a big deal. They're also in the college football playoffs for only the second time in the history of the college football playoffs. And it's the last time that there will be only four schools in the college football playoffs. So uh, this is kind of a big deal. Washington versus Texas in the Sugar Bowl on Monday at uh, what is kickoff set for 530? Uh, Is that what it is? You're going to make me look. Uh, Monday. I'm sorry. I should have looked it up. Uh, 745 kickoff 745 so uh which is 545 pacific time right um that they kick off and uh so it's going to be a late night for us here at dogman but uh, we will have you guys covered kickoff to kickoff and even afterwards so uh just tune into dogman.com uh as far as the recruiting uh trail is concerned washington ended up signing 16 players last week on the 20th um, uh, 16 high school players and they signed, uh, what was it? Three, uh, uh, portal players. Right. Um, one portal player is still kind of hanging out and, uh, we're still trying to find, figure out what's going on with him. His name is BJ green. He's a edge defensive line prospect from Arizona state. And from everything I've heard, uh, it sounds like it's going to be, uh, he's just waiting on his transcripts. He told me the other day that he's a man of his word. He's, he's committed to Washington and that's where he's planning to be. Uh, come January. So we'll just have to wait and see. Uh, Kim, you know why? <laughs> of course, something happened. Uh, New Year or Christmas Eve. Yeah. I'm driving over to see family in on the peninsula. You're uh, at home, but you're you're not the guy who does the writing. You get the information and you have Chris. You funnel that to Chris and I and we're the ones who are doing the writing. Well, Chris um, has been dealing with some nasty, a nasty cold flu, whatever it is. And he was asleep. And so as I'm driving uh, over to the peninsula, we get a text of a wolf. <laughs> kind of go go from there. What what happened uh, <laughs> between the three of us? We just start scrambling. You know, mm-hmm. we're scattered. You know, stuff happens. That's just the way it works here at Dogman.com. So we finally got uh, the information, and uh, I think a really good pickup for Washington. Oh, absolutely. Trey Watson, the uh, tight end from Fresno State, he's, what, 6'4", 240-ish? Yeah, right in that range, yep. Yeah, um, put up some big numbers. What I think he had 46 receptions uh, last year. I could be off on that. But no, it was, it was, he, he set career highs, 38 receptions, 378 yards, and four touchdowns. Yeah, so, you know, and a lot of people just look at receptions for tight ends and think that's the uh, the give-all-take-all, but it's not. Um, he's a really good blocker, real athletic kid, um, and I'm sure the coaching staff is more than familiar with Trey Watson. And um, I'm trying to remember, I didn't get my arms around. How much eligibility does he have left? Just- he had, I, so I talked to him on Christmas Eve uh, when we were when we were actually heading back. I finally got a hold of him and 
He uh, told me that he's really excited. He's going to be up here for one season. He's got one. Uh, he's got two years to play one season of football. So he still has a redshirt season. Um, he's coming in as a basically a grad transfer. Um, although, uh, cause I think he finished up his degree, but, uh, it wouldn't matter. He's already, uh, he's got a year of eligibility left and, uh, he's a, he's a really talented kid, Kim, um, a guy who can play any, do anything that you want him to do at the, from the tight end position. And he will combine, in my opinion, I think he'll combine with Josh Cuevas, Quentin Moore as your top three tight ends. And then maybe if Ryan, if Ryan Otten is healthy at all, he'll work in as well. Um, and then I think that'll allow them to redshirt Decker to graph. I think a guy that they really, really like and see a lot of potential in, but he's a guy who's not ready to see the field quite yet. I think he's going to need at least a year of, of, you know, just playing in the system and learning different things. But, uh, that's kind of what they get with Trey Watson. I wrote the entire story that went on our front page on my phone. (laughs) (laughs) So that should tell you guys how much we were scrambling, but we, we, we got it done. We had actually had information that Trey Watson was going to commit and announce. We just heard it was going to be next week. We didn't know that it was going to happen on Christmas Eve, but he told me, you know, it was with the setting he was in with his parents. He just wanted to get it over with, not even worry about it on on Christmas Eve, Christmas Day. He wanted to just be be really excited and and give it to his family as a as a Christmas present. And that's what he decided to do. So um, we just were left scrambling. And that was a a little bit of a um, surprise for us, but a really nice surprise for Husky Nation, because that's a really important pickup in Washington's offense. Now, as far as what's left hey, just, on the oh, hey, go just, ahead. Real, just real quick, um, just drop a note, you know, me with the ADD just all over the place. But Ryan Otten, I actually saw him this week. And quite often when we'd see Ryan Otten this year, he wasn't suited. He mm-hmm. wasn't practicing and uh, he's usually in street clothes. When we saw him in practice last week, he was actually suited up. So he was back practicing last week. Yeah, yeah. I, I You know what? That's a good that you mentioned that. I actually was going to make a note of that and just forgot to do that. So, yes. Um, so. I think a lot of it's just going to depend on his overall health, whether they decide to even go out and get a second guy. If they if they feel like, you know what, Brian Otten's healthy, we think he's going to be just fine. I think that they'll they'll just stick with Trey Watson at the tight end spot. Yeah. But if they determine that he's not able to go and he might have to you know, quit playing football for whatever reason, I, I'm not saying that's imminent. I'm just saying that is always a possibility with any player. Um, if that ends up being the case, then they probably will go back into the portal for another uh, tight end. But I think right now, I think they're pretty happy with the five that they have as long as Ryan Otten is is healthy. Yeah, so. and by the way, that noise you hear, that's that's my chair creaking. Just, oh, I didn't I couldn't even hear anything. People, so people are wondering. Uh yeah, um expecting what, two, three more portal guys, Scott? Yeah, I, w- I would say two or three more. Um, you know, I there's at least one more that I'm pretty sure is in the boat right now, and that Husky fans are gonna be really excited about. Um, if you know anything about what's been going on in the portal, you'll know you'll be excited about him. And you gotta remember, guys, that there's going to be another probably, you know, a handful of high-end five-star type guys that are going to be coming into the portal here over the next few weeks. One just happened earlier today when, um, and I don't have it pulled up, which I'm frustrated I didn't do that, but the Purdue, uh, the the Purdue um, uh, edge that, now I can't find the thread. Uh, Oh, there it is right there. The Purdue Purdue edge uh, defensive line uh, guy from, 
Purdue, obviously. Nick, I think it's Scourton or Scourton. Uh, he led, led the Big Ten in sacks last season with 10. He's 6'4", 280 pounds, 15 tackles for loss in 11 games. Really talented kid, and um, sounds like he's going to be entering the portal. There's going to be a lot of guys at that level. He's only a sophomore, too, so I believe that he has two years to play, too, or maybe two, three years to play, too, wherever he ends up. So that's these are there's going to be a lot more guys that Washington's going to be able to choose from here over the next few weeks uh, getting into January. The nice thing about Washington, they're on the – um, they're on the quarter system. So they, if they don't get a kid in for January, they've got a good chance to get him in for March and still play in sp- spring ball. And so that's a huge selling point on their part for some of these guys. So um, just some stuff to keep an eye on here over the next few weeks as, or I guess next week as the portal end, the portal closes on January 2nd. Closes mean that's the last day that you can put your name in and without which, having to wait a year. Yeah. Yeah. Which makes it real interesting for the guys um, from uh, Texas, Alabama, Washington and Michigan. Michigan. <laughs> yeah. 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 You know, because they're playing on the first and um, uh, we'll talk a little bit about some, possibly some attrition. But um, I, people ask you what's brewing, Scott, but they don't ask you the right question. Right. Mm-hmm. The right question is. How many stories do you have pre-written, Scott? Yeah, I have a lot. Uh, <laughs> I have a lot. The thing is, I had the the Trey Watson story pre-written, and uh, I just didn't have it on, in my OneDrive or in my cloud, so I couldn't go get it. So that was my fault. I won't have that happen in the future, so that's why I had to write it on my phone. But, um, yeah, I, I think there's several uh, guys that you need to be keep an eye, keep an eye out for, and um, – you know, it's going to be an exciting time for Washington fans, I think, here over the next couple of weeks to see who winds up uh, at Washington. I, I I think over the next week you're going to see some more really talented guys. There's there's bowl games for the next five, six days, I think, um, as we kind of go through this. I don't think there's one on Sunday, but I think there is uh, every other day. But, you know, it, it's just it's just that time of the year and and it's the way the college football calendar falls and i've i've listened to some podcasters people that you know podcasters that people respect and listen to and i do too um and they they're like we need to change this rule because it it really handicaps kids that are playing in bowl games because now they have to go into the portal but still possibly play for their team in the in the in their bowl game i mean what the heck? Why? Why is why is this the situation? So, um, you know, Dylan Morris is in that situation right now. Yeah, he's still practicing with the team. Right. But he's in the portal. So, you know, it's it's just it's a it's a weird situation for all these guys involved. Also, just because you're in the portal doesn't mean you're gone. Correct. So. Is there a chance that Dylan Morris comes back next year? I, I'd say there's always a chance, but um, just from what I've what I've been privy to um, for, from people in his camp and and everything, it sounds like um, the only chance he has of coming back is it is if he's given a, a guarantee that he's going to be able to battle for that starting gig. And and even then, I think it's just going to be really hard to keep him because when you bring in a guy like Will Rogers and they're paying him what he's paying him, I don't know the exact number, but I, you know, it's a fairly high, high decently high number uh, for for Will Rogers. And and uh, if you're going to go out and do get a guy like that, you're expecting him to play. And um, you know, Ryan Grubb addressed it the other day about Dylan. They love Dylan. Um, they 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 would love to have him stay, but they they also support him and 
who he is and and you know the players have all been very effusive in their their support of what Dylan's doing and they all understand why he's doing what he's doing and the fact that he's still willing to work hard and possibly even miss the transfer window um you know before because if if they don't play until January 1st and what if they go to the national championship game do you really think he's going to give out give up an opportunity to play for a national title Kim yeah, so no. I mean there's a chance Dylan Morris could wind up not even be able to go to his school unless he chooses a quarter school until after the national championship game, which is January 8th. So it's really a, a tough call for someone like him. Yeah, Tayshawn Lyons, a wide receiver, uh, entered the portal. It sounds like he's not with the team anymore. No, he is not with the team anymore. And and Ryan Grubb also addressed that situation. He said uh, uh, Tayshawn's a really good kid. But uh, it wasn't a good fit with us uh, personality wise. He was looking for something a little bit different. And so were we. It was just not a good fit. It's not, it, and we wish him luck. And, um, you know, that it is what it is. So, you know, he was a big get for Washington out of the out of the high school ranks. But, you know, I mean, let's be honest. Rasheed Williams was a huge get for Washington. And, and I think Justice Williams and Jason Robinson are just as big, if not bigger than Tayshawn Lyons as well. And so um, you've got a lot of young receivers who can take his spot, and there's no shortage of receivers who want to come and play at Washington. Well, Aaron Butler, you know, let's just take – I don't want to take a lot of time on this, so just touch briefly on it. Aaron Butler was waiting for a scholarship offer from Washington. Washington was hesitating on giving him an offer, being tight on the numbers. Yeah. And once they found out Tucson Lines was going to scholarship, that position became open. They um, – they offered it to him, and multiple, multiple sources told me that, hey, he's coming to Washington. Sounds like he may have committed a couple of different times, but uh, decides to commit to Texas without even taking a visit. A little bit strange, yeah. Scott. Uh, not when you consider his recruitment overall, Kim. <laughs> I mean, yeah. the kid decommitted from two schools, USC and Colorado, and, and I – look. I can understand the first one. I'm totally sympathetic with the first one. You committed too early. You want to see what else is out there. But then when you commit to Colorado and then you decommit from there. Now, granted, maybe he saw what the the system would look like and and everything and, and just didn't. And, it, you know, I just don't think that he felt like it was the right situation for him. But, you know, that's still a little bit of a red flag. when guys have multiple decommitments from schools during the process. But OK. I'm willing to do that. But then you hear about some of the background stuff on him and, the, and you, you know the fact that he quit on his team um, a couple couple games, a couple weeks, like three or four weeks into the season and decided to focus on getting ready for school. And, and I think that's something that a lot of coaches, that's a red flag for coaches. Now, it isn't the only red flag. It isn't something that just says this guy's a no take no matter what because of it. But you definitely factor it into your decision. And, and for me, I questioned it. Um, now, if he had gone to Washington, you know, Washington would have been getting a very, very talented kid, but they also would have had to be putting up with, you know, what's he going to be? What's his maturity level like? And from what we've heard, and I mentioned this in the in in the blog is um, money became a big thing for him and his family and they wanted Washington to pay more. Washington wasn't willing to do it. And when that happened, he decided to go to Texas because they would <laughs> give him. When the you, love and the money. When you talk like that, people are going to start in on the tangent that Washington should be paying guys. Well, they people can say that all they want. They're not the ones who have to put up 
and, and with these kids once they get in your program. Washington, They're not the ones. Washington is not going to pay big money. They're not going to get no. big NIL deals for high school kids mm-hmm. who have done nothing. One thing we should say, Kim, and we, we always say this, you never say never, right? Yeah. But in this situation, they made the decision that this kid is not worth the money that he's asking for, and we're not willing to pay more than we pay normally for high school kids. And that's what it really came down to, because he would have been at Washington if not for that. But um, I, I just think that Washington is more than happy to move on and find out some more guys and, and you know, in the portal or or wait, wait to recruit 2025 wide receivers. They're in on some really talented uh, 2025 wide receivers. We'll be getting to those in the coming weeks. Um, but right now, I just don't think why you go to my blog today. I explain the theory behind it. You can disagree with it and that's fine. But you are not the one who has to put up with these kids and the egos that they bring in when they get paid a lot of money. Think about this, too, Kim. And I was talking about some, you know, Sweet Lou uh, about this uh, the other day was um, what, you know, a lot of how many NFL guys end up having terrible careers after they sign their second contract. So the rookie contract is a decent size rookie contract, but once you get to that second contract, that's your big payday, right? Yeah. In the NFL, how many go right downhill and don't have the same kind of career they were had going into that? Well, the other thing how, too, how hungry are these freshmen going to be when they're making $500,000 and and making more money than guys who are starters? I always say money corrupts and the more money involved, the more possible influence that we see. And, and we're seeing it more and more every day with the people that are around a lot of these kids. There's a lot of agent wannabes, you know, participating in the process, getting in the middle of the process, guiding the process, directing the process. And, you know, just uh, there's a lot of that kind of stuff going on. And, you know, when you're you've got a trainer or a coach and an uncle and an aunt and a cousin and Rico and whatever all involved mm-hmm. in recruiting. You know, at what point do you just go, no, it's just too much. And then even when they get to a program, take a look at what's gone on down at USC. You know, they talk about name, image, and likeness. Well, a lot of these guys down at USC and some of these bigger school, that name, image, and license likeness, their brand is more important to them than winning football games. So, you know, we like I said, we saw it down at USC where I don't think that was, they had a lot of talent on that team, but they didn't play together as a team at yep. all. Yeah. And I mean, we have to see what, look, USC, Oregon, uh, Colorado, those yeah. are all teams that have high turnover every year, right, Kim? Yeah. yeah. Let's see what their team chemistry looks like. Look, Oregon is was a great team the last couple of years. Were they great because they had a generational quarterback like Bo Nix, who was completing nearly 80% of his passes the past couple of years? Or was it just because they had so much talent that they overwhelmed everybody? I don't know. Washington, they obviously had a generational quarterback in Michael Penix, but they also had a lot of talent around him. And and that was able and they've gone, what is what are they now? Twenty-four and four, twenty-four and two. Yep, twenty-four in, and two. In, 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 in DeBoer's two seasons at Washington. Um, Oregon is Oregon has been very successful, but can they continue to have that turnover every year and build the team chemistry? If you only have rent-a-players every year um, that are going to be there for a year and then either go to the NFL, which 
could happen with Washington with Jabbar uh, Muhammad, maybe a couple other guys, but um, or or guys who got a lot of money to come and be part of your team, and then they leave the next year because there's another team that's willing to pay them more. Uh, you know, are you are you going to have that team of chemistry that you really want? I don't know, and I think that's going to be real interesting to follow. USC, Oregon, Colorado, can they maintain that team chemistry that is so important when you get in into championship runs? Hey, moving on to the basketball team, they uh, are moving into the conference play this week, but a huge pickup for Mike Hopkins, Quincy Pondexter, Will Conroy, Zoom Diallo, the point guard out of Curtis High School down in Tacoma. He's down in Napa playing his uh, senior year for high school ball, but uh, one of the top point guards in the country, committed to Washington at uh, downtown Tacoma. When was that? Was that Christmas Eve, I think it was, or was it the day before Christmas Eve? I can't even uh, remember. Di- uh, it was 23rd, on, I think. 23rd, yeah. yes, I believe it was the 23rd. Yeah, big get, big, big get. He's 6'4", 180 pounds, um, just a dynamic athlete and uh, just a really, really, really great pickup uh, for Mike Hopkins and University of Washington. And you look at uh, next year when he comes in, pairing him with Corin Johnson, Wesley Yates, and Nate Kalmis. Uh, Washington's going to have one of the best backcourts in the country next year, um, as long as everybody stays. So we'll see how that works out. But uh, just a dynamic pickup for Coach Hopkins and uh, Coach Conroy and Coach Pondexter, who were all instrumental in his recruitment. What was funny is, I don't know if you picked up on this, Scott, but you know, after he made uh, Zoom made his commitment down at Tacoma, he's meeting with the media. And uh, I asked him what uh, Coach Hopkins' reaction was when he committed, and he smiled and says, I haven't told him yet. <laughs> he hadn't told him yet. Oh, my gosh, really? No, so we're oh. talking to him, and all of a sudden, his phone rings, and he smiles, and he shows the phone, and it's like Hopkins calling, and you could just hear Hopkins yelling through the phone. It was pretty funny. Mm-hmm. Let's go. That's big, Let's yeah, go. that's a big pickup for, that's a big pick up for <clears throat> him and the staff. Yeah, no. So um, big, big pickup. Hey, hey, Kim, Kim, one thing I think that might be on a lot of people's minds and I mean, everybody's I'm not bringing something. I'm not talking out of school here, but, you know, Mike Hopkins job situation. We you know, we don't want to speculate on it, but it is up in the air. Right. I mean, we're not 100 percent sure if he's coming back. If Mike Hopkins is not retained at Washington, what's your read on whether someone like Zoom Diallo would end up sticking around or not? Hard to say. Um, you know, I got an interesting text um, from one of our national basketball guys, and I said he hasn't signed and he doesn't sign until spring. I said any chance he changes his mind, you know, because he's not signed and, you know, just keeps on being recruited. And he says he's not built like that. He said he's one of the highest character kids he's ever dealt with. He said, if you talk, if you took the top one percent of all the kids I've ever covered, and then you took the top 1% out of that top 1%. He says, that's Zoom Diallo character-wise. He's a man of his word and wouldn't anticipate it. I mean, anything could happen. So we'll see, you know, uh, by the time they sign, I'd have to take another look at the schedule. But, um, you know, uh, 
Washington needs to make the tournament. End of the day, Washington needs to make the tournament. I think they've got a good shot. So uh, Frank Kepnong, who was out, he got hurt and the Seattle U game, did not play in the uh, game last week. Coach Hopkins said he could have played. He was available to play, but they just thought with the nine days off and then getting him a couple of extra days off would probably pay benefits down the road. And hopefully with uh, in the next week or so, we'll see Wesley Yate, the highly, highly regarded um the guard, he's kind of a swing guy. He's about 6'4", 6'5". Um, I had guys telling me before he got hurt that he was the best player on the team. So reinforcements coming back and also Braxton Mia getting a little bit more healthy with a little bit of time off. So yeah. uh, good thing, good time, good times ahead for the basketball program. Yeah, definitely. And Kim, you do this to me all the time and I'm, <laughs> I'm going to do it to you. Do you know, would you know off the top of your head the next game? Is it, is it after the first? No, I think it's the 29th. Let me just pull up my schedule here really quick. I believe it is, yeah, at Utah on Sunday, excuse me, Friday at Colorado, and then Sunday, New Year's Eve at Utah. So 8 o'clock start on the uh, Colorado game on Friday night, and the Utah game on New Year's Eve is, um, I think it's 8 o'clock local time or 8 o'clock PST? God, you know, I, I'm I'm hoping that this didn't change in my uh, calendar because I'm in New Orleans. So yeah, I bet it did. Yeah, Friday and Sunday. <laughs> Friday and Sunday. Just Friday and Sunday. We'll let you guys know more after that. So yeah, Friday and uh, Sunday. So. Well, Kim, hey, uh, we should probably wrap this up. Let people get back to what they're doing. But uh, just wanted to give you guys a taste of what's going on down in in New Orleans right now and what you can expect over the next uh, week or so. Um, we're planning to have podcasts, if not every day, then close to every day all leading all the way up to um leading all the way up to game time um it's a it's an exciting time for husky sports in general kim but definitely husky football um you know uh the women's team i think is what 11 or 12 and 1 whatever they they are right now and the the men's basketball team got a big win over gonzaga and they're what 9 and 3 8 and so. 3 yeah, whatever it is. And then the 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 football team is is uh, 13 and 0. And you just don't get better than what we've got going on right now here at the University of Washington. And that means that Dogman is the place for you guys to be. Kim, can you give them the email address to get on our uh, on our newsletter? Yeah, uh, huskystadium at gmail.com. Uh, just uh, shoot us a note, huskystadium at gmail.com, subject line newsletter. We'll get you hooked up and get you uh, uh, the regular updates on what's going on in uh, University of Washington football, basketball, and recruiting, and also email you breaking news alerts. Again, huskystadium yes. at gmail.com. Yes, and um, for those who are also wondering, Kim is going to have uh, at least one beignet while he's down there, right? I don't know. <laughs> See, oh, man. Guy. You and Fetters live your life around what's what you're going to eat next. I look at food and I go, God, I got to eat. It's a pain in the butt. Well, Dylan Johnson said he's got plenty of food uh, to uh, send people to down in New Orleans if they ask him. So um, uh, I'll ask. Yeah, him ask him. Ask him. Ask him where he's sending his family. So oh, we're going to ask uh, uh, Trey Dannon. I mean, he lived down here. So I'll yeah, that's true. Trey. He's the best. He's probably the better guy because Dylan at least. Dylan was like four hours away in, in Greenville, Mississippi. But, hey, uh, for all of us here at Dogman, I'm Scott Eklund. Uh, for Kim Grinolds, go dogs. <laughs>